It's the Boxed Out Podcast, Episode 5. I'm Harry Worth, and as always, I'm joined by Jack McDonald. Here we are, back again. Let's run it. Back again for Episode 5. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Um, Before we get stuck into some NBA chat today, we just wanted to shout out our own Instagram and podcast feeds and just make sure that everybody is following, giving us five-star ratings wherever you're listening, um, notifications on, and um, yeah, hit us up on Instagram at boxedoutpod if you would like to give us any feedback or have any questions you'd like answered or any topics you'd like us to talk about or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously focused on NBA, but um, happy to answer any questions. And I think maybe one day soon we'll um, do a whole episode just answering questions if we get more than two of them. Exactly. Um, yeah, so today's agenda, we're going to talk about the NBA as always. And then on the back end of the episode, Jack's going to give us a bit of a breakdown of the UFC at the moment, in particular, the upcoming fight of Israel Adesanya. So kicking into NBA, we were going to just go through a few things that have piqued our interest to start the season. We're a few weeks in now, you know, players are setting into their roles, teams are setting into um, the flow of things. And so, yeah, Jack, kick us off. Uh, All right. Let's do it. Um, this is not really on a positive note, but uh, the Nets, <laughs> the Nets. Uh, yeah, we spoke about them a little bit last week. A little bit. <laughs> at, well, yeah, we spent a fair bit of time on them and things have not gotten better since then. Um, they are still out of the play in tournament in the East, sitting at four and seven and lost today to the Mavericks not going well on court still and one thing that doesn't help is not having Kyrie Irving out there he was suspended for at least five games for his anti-semitic comments last week Um, and the key word there is at least I predict this will be a lot longer than five games Um, and his key to returning will be going through a list that's been provided to him by the Nets organization. So we have six things on uh, Kyrie's checklist that he needs to get done before he's back on the court. So he needs to apologize and condemn the movie that he originally shared um, that was sort of spreading these anti-Semitic ideologies. Uh, He needs to donate $500,000 to anti-hate causes. He needs to go through sensitivity training. He needs to go through anti-Semitic training. And then he needs to meet with Jewish leaders in the community. And then finally, the boss fight of all this is he needs to meet with the Nets owner, Joe Sai, to uh, demonstrate his understanding of the whole process and that he has learned from his mistakes and will definitely not go off the rails ever again. Um yeah we'll see how that goes Um, it's ridiculous isn't it yeah i know it's he's been given so much opportunity just to apologize and get it all done with but you know every single time that's presented to him no other direction yeah i mean 
a few days ago it came out that both Kyrie and the Nets were going to donate 500 grand each to um, anti-hate causes. And after listening to a Kyrie interview, the leader of the foundation was like, oh, nah, actually, I don't want to accept any money from you. I don't believe what you're saying. It's just, like, it's ridiculous how long this has gone on for, how deep this hole's gotten. And he's, like, primary school kids get given lists. High school kids, yeah. kids get given lists by their parents. And he's got, like, a list from the owner of the team of little things he needs to do. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. He's, I don't know. I I feel like you should have at least some little bit of remorse when you actually realize what you've done. But for him, it, it feels like the only reason that he's going to end up finishing this checklist is because he's realized, oh, damn, like my career is uh, <laughs> in jeopardy here. Um, if I don't do this, I could be out of the league. And Look, who's to say? We don't know what's going on inside his head. Um, but yeah, at this stage, it's uh, all gone down the gurgler for the Nets. Yeah, I mean, and they still haven't confirmed the hiring of Emi Udoka as well. That's that's still on the on the shelf. I've, I've seen a couple of reports that there are several insiders trying to convince the Nets not to hire him for why that would be a bad idea. I mean, we know it's a bad idea from a PR standpoint. Um, so, yeah, we'll be really interesting to see how that plays out in the coming days or weeks as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, for their on-court stuff, yeah, not too much to say there. Yeah. It's ben, Simmons ben Simmons was off the bench today. Jeez, <laughs> man, I had high hopes for him, eh? I had high hopes, but no continues to uh look lost out there at least at least kd's looking good yeah he um, deserves this purgatory after his behavior in the off season i reckon like nah yeah he got himself into this mess absolutely absolutely all right moving on from the nets something that's piqued my interest and i wish it hadn't piqued my interest but the utah jazz um I've had the fortune of watching them twice recently um, as they beat the Lakers two times within the space of like a week. Um, we've mentioned them before as, you know, obviously a team that was trying to lose, but they're not trying to lose. They're first in the West at the moment, eight and three. At what point... Are they either going to stop trying or at what point are we going to need to take this team as a real contender for either a, a play-in spot, a, the playoffs, a championship, a first round? How far is this going to go? Um, they've been so consistent. Just, just talking through some of the teams that they've beaten. They've beaten the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies twice. Twice, yes, that was without um, Desmond Bain or Ja Morant for either of those games. They've beaten the Clippers. Um, yeah, they've beaten some teams that um, they probably should have beaten, like the Rockets. They also lost to the Rockets. But, you know, it's not just all bad teams like the Lakers that these guys are beating. They're beating some real talent. And the question I have is just when will that stop? Will it stop? Or will they keep keep being successful? Yeah, I mean, 
for them, all signs so far have pointed to them being a legitimately good team. And just because in the off season, we and 95% of people predicted them to be one of the worst teams doesn't really mean anything now because it's not the off season. We've seen mm-hmm. them on the court and it, it's, it's working. It's, it's working out for them. Like even someone like Mike Conley doesn't have the most impressive stats this year, but he just is a winning player. And yeah, I've sort got of Mike feels Conley's like stats here. Yeah. Um, go yeah, fire tw- them out. 12 points and seven assists hitting two threes a game. Not massive, but he's been stable and consistent and like, yeah, he's not looking as, as good as he has in the past, but yeah, like you said, he's still contributing to winning. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you asking how long does this go on for? Do we have to take them seriously? Well, I mean, we're getting to a point where some of these lower end teams in the West are going to start running out of time to make all this ground up. Even if the Jazz start losing, you know, there's going to become a point where they're going to solidly be a play-in team. And that's just <laughs> going to, that's just how it's going to be. Um, yeah. When, when the tide shifts there and we know, okay, they're actually going to stick around. I don't know. I don't know when that will be. But at this stage, I mean, all signs are pointing to it. Yeah, I mean, we've already mentioned Lowry Markinen briefly um, a few episodes ago and how he's, you know, putting together a real a real high-caliber, most improved player campaign. He's, he's still averaging um, over 20 points a game, just under 22. Nine and a half rebounds, two threes, three assists, a block. He's been consistent. He's the number one option. He's facing the best defenders, or at least the best wing defenders, night in, night out, and he's still producing. Um, His last couple of years, the performance has been um, a little bit down from that, but they've been plagued by injury. Well, he's been plagued by injury. He hasn't had consistent minutes. And maybe this is more who he is. He had flashes in his early days in, in Chicago, um, and if this is the player that Larry Markkinen is, then the Jazz might very well, you know, be a 500 team at the end of the year. Yeah, t- I mean, totally. We we just don't know. We don't know the answer to these questions yet. If if things stay the way they are, then damn, the Jazz are going to be having home court in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I doubt I, that'll happen. Yeah, I still don't think that. But like, just just touching on how deep this is going. They, their, their offensive rating is 115, so that means um, 115 points per 100 possessions, I believe, which is the third best offensive rating in the league. So you think, what, like, okay, wow, like who else is doing well? Clarkson's averaging 18. Still, you know, it's not like they've got someone averaging like 25, 26, 27, but his playmaking's better. He's Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson's hitting five assists a game. His previous career high has two and a, been two and a half. So he's really taken on more of a facilitator role. But not only that, their defense, their defensive rating is 109, which is good for eighth best in the league, leading to a net rating that is the fourth best in the league. And it's just like when, when a team is top 10 in both offensive and defensive ratings, like normally we're talking about the premier title contenders. 
Mm. But we're talking about the Utah Jazz. <laughs> well, maybe they are a title contender. God, I would hate that. Oh, me too. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just wild. It's surprised, I mean, everyone apart from the two or three Utah fans out there. But <laughs> Yeah, it's it is pretty crazy. I yeah, it's it's gonna drop off at some point. Um Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't I don't have too much more to say on them other than we'll wait and see. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for me, a team that I am absolutely in love with and have been for, for a little while now, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. They look good. Um, before I even get into anything, I want to ask you a question. Are they legitimately not just based on record, are they legitimately a top three team in the East? Yes. Yeah? Yes, they are. Yeah, I agree. Philly's I out. I totally agree. And Cleveland's Cleveland's taking up that Philly spot right now. Yeah, 100%. They, um, they just have such a well-balanced team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. why they're legitimately a top three team is they have probably one of the best um like the best front courts in the league in terms of defense Mm -hmm. um swallowing up shots rebounding you know always in the in great positions and so versatile as well with evan mobley being able to just be everywhere yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're so agile for how big yeah. they are and how long they are. They they can switch out on the perimeter. They can move with you know some of the bigger guards. They're not just like I don't know. I don't want to trash him further, but Rudy Gobert just standing in the middle of the paint like these guys are switchable, and it makes such a difference to their defense. Yeah, definitely. And like with Mobley, you can see those pre-draft Kevin Garnett comparisons. Mm-hmm. Like just just by watching him, the way he's so fluid for his size, so tall. One one minute he's out on the perimeter guarding a point guard, the next he's rotating over to the weak side to block a center, and then recovering out to a kickout pass. Like he's all over the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And to me, that's really just the start of this team, the most exciting part of this team, and what gives them. I think an edge going forward is this backcourt that Ooh, yes, this that backcourt. Is, it's so dynamic, bro. And watching it oh. now, it's like Donovan Mitchell is the piece they were missing. If if you if you cast your mind back to last year a bit, I think Garland had a bit too much of a, a scoring role on this mm-hmm. team. Um he is obviously very capable of scoring um but i think he's just such an incredible playmaker and when he has donovan mitchell here to take over that that lead guard scoring role he can really flourish and play how he wants to play um it's yeah it's so fun to watch they they play off each other so well and Mitchell has been shooting absolutely incredibly so far this year. It's, uh, yeah, big fan of the Cavs. They um, only got their second loss today. They're sitting at second in the East. They 
have the uh, best points differential in the league. Um, and yeah, I, I think they're very, very good. We're going to see yeah. a lot more of them going forward. Yeah, I mean, you said the best points different differential in the league. I think they've also got um, the second best defensive rating at 104 and the third best offensive rating at 115. And I mentioned before that, you know, two and both of those in the top 10, we're talking about title contenders. We've got, you know, both of those in the top three which is just insane. And Garland's been out for, you know, for quite a while. We've only we've only seen him a few times and he's looked exceptional coming back from injury. Um, they've already beaten the Celtics twice. Both games going to overtime. If we get that as a playoff series in the future, oh my goodness, that will be some of the best basketball in recent years based on the two games we've seen so far. So that second Celtics game was the best game I've watched so far this year. It was oh, so without good. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. These guys, yeah, they just, they take turns so well, but it doesn't feel like they're taking turns, but it's kind of like, you know, all right, Don, you go get a bucket. All right, Darius is like, yep, now it's my turn. And then they've got Mobley and Jared Allen inside. Kevin Love's been shooting incredible from three. Um, mm. They've just got so many pieces. Dean Wade. Yeah, Dean Wade. Dean Wade, the best D Wade to play for the Cavs. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they've been so fun to watch. I've yeah. been lo- loving it. I love the lob threat. Whenever, oh. whenever Garland drives in, you just know that Mobley or Allen are roaming around right alongside him, just, just waiting for that lob to float up to them. It's, it's a beautiful offense to watch. Yeah. And a beautiful defense to watch. Like people thought that having Garland and Donovan Mitchell together, they were going to be a sieve up the top. But it hasn't impacted their def- defensive rating and their defense so far. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't matter when you have those two guys behind you. No, not, not at all. All right. Uh, anything further with the Cavs? I love them. That's all. <laughs> all right. All right. Moving on. Um, the Golden State Warriors. Now, Oof. they're on a five-game losing streak at the moment damn yeah and i had them to win the the west in the regular season they have been struggling but stephen curry has been incredible 31 points seven rebounds seven assists a game five threes yet they are still struggling this bad Mm. What's the issue? Uh, Well, the issue is their defense. They're allowing 115.8 points per 100 possessions, good for 27th best in the league. They've got the 20 worst. (laughs) Yeah, third third worst. Yep, there we go. I mean, Steph, Steph scored 47 points today against the Kings, and they lost. Against the Kings. Against the Kings. The sorry-ass Kings. Damn. I, I'm so surprised, man. I thought I thought Draymond was the key to a top-five offense in the league. It's, it's so surprising to me that it's not there. Yeah, it's it's been wild. And I mean, like, Wiggins is averaging 17 points, five rebounds, a steal and a block. Jordan Poole's averaging 16 and a half five assists, a couple of threes. Like, 
their guys are good. They're playing, you know, pretty well. I mean, we talked about Clay Thompson's struggles a little bit last week, but they just haven't really figured it out yet with their mm. bench. They seem to be getting rolled when the, that second unit comes on and they still haven't figured out the combinations. I think Steve Kerr said the other day in his in- interview that, you know, they, they lost some really important pieces in the offseason with um, Gary Payton and Otto Porter Jr. and those guys. And so they're, they're still trying to integrate those young guys with some of the more veteran bench pieces they have. But are you concerned about them at all? I would be, yes. Not not concerned to the point where they're going to finish, what, are they sitting outside the playoffs right now? Yeah, well well outside the playoffs. Oh, yeah. actually, my bad, they beat the Kings today. That's a blunder on my point. Uh, Just, well, but it took 47 from Steph. Well, 47 yeah. from Steph. There you go. He's not going to be able to do that every night. Um, yeah. Am I concerned about them? Yes, because I thought they would be right up there in the West. And I don't know. I mean, last year we saw the Celtics and the Mavericks both have pretty bad starts to the season. And they, well, they both made the conference finals. Um, Celtics made the finals. So, look, they can come right. Uh, We've seen it before. I don't think. They're in that upper echelon of teams, though, that I originally thought they were in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would be yeah. my takeaway. It, it'll it'll come right, or it's always um, always a chemistry based thing um, where a lot of these issues come from. So I think you know more time on court together, you'll start to see them looking better. Mm-hmm. But I would just have my concerns. Um, with the, you know, the finals hopes that they have. Mm. Ho- hopefully they can pull that bench unit together and figure out their rotations. Um, but like their five-game losing streak that I mentioned before, the teams that they lost to were the Hornets, the Pistons, a struggling Miami, the Magic, and a Pelicans that have been decimated by injuries. So, you know, I would have thought that should have been four wins at least um, in that little road trip there. Um, but five losses, I mean, that comes back to hurt you um, when it comes to your total record, when you're losing to teams that you should be beating night in and night out. Yeah, 100%. We're, yeah, another wait and see, I think. I, I, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine they'll be this bad going forward. Yeah, they're, they're too deep. They've got too many versatile scorers and defenders for it to keep going this much but I mean Steph scoring 47 to beat the Kings you don't want to be relying on that every night no no not at all not at all moving on yes moving on a uh another team in the west my favorite I had to talk about them at some point and I suppose I have a little bit already (laughs) (laughs) but let's talk about them again the Denver Nuggets looking good looking really good are they? they they weren't looking that good when the Lakers bet them last week (laughs) jeez here we go okay let let me chat a bit about the Nuggets so Jokic um, I've seen a bit about Jokic just people saying things floating around saying how he 
doesn't look good and how he hasn't been up to standards this year can't score you know not not looking like the Jokic we know um maybe this is the optimistic Nuggets fan talking but to me uh when I watch him play it looks like the Jokic that we saw maybe three years ago where he wasn't trying to be the lead scorer on a team and that was not because he wasn't able to do that but more because he is just such a good passer and is the offensive hub of this team that that's what he's going to focus on and I feel like it's almost in a sense like that this year where we have Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray coming off injuries. We have KCP and um, Bruce Brown coming into the team. And then we have Bones Highland, who's in his second year, so is obviously going to get better. You have all these offensive weapons around you. You're going to try and feed them. You're going to try and get them hot, get them comfortable, mm-hmm. get everyone on the same page just that like it's so early into the season there's no need for him to be the guy taking on that massive load dropping 28 points a night 29 points a night and he obviously can still do that with i mean you can you can see it you can literally see it when you when you watch him play um but on his passing he's averaging the most assists in his career so far at 9.2 um and just the level of difficulty on these passes. I swear every every single time the Nuggets play, I'll go on Instagram and see a highlight of an incredible pass he's made where he's just, no one's watching, his head's facing the wrong way, and he's just whipped it in between three defenders to someone who is somehow open under the basket. Um, and yeah, that that... That to me is a skill that not many guys have, and I think he's the best passing player in the league right now. Ooh. And he's up there all time as well. Call me bold, but uh All time. Yep, he's up there. He's up no, there. Not, you're not just talking bags, you're talking all time. No, and all time. Know. All players all time. Um yep. it's bold. Very bold. It is bold, but, but you I, I see you where you're coming from. You see the man. Well, you don't see them. He's the only one that can see them. Because um, he's, what, it's pretty, seven, it's, seven foot two. Yeah. The other Lanky, day, he, Gumby. White, Serbian, it, European Magic Johnson. That's that's it, who he is. It doesn't make sense, man. The other day, he he got an inbound pass, like, quickly after a, after a made basket. And then straight off the inbound, from his baseline, did, like... I don't even know what you call it, like a bowling motion, underarm through the ball all the way down the court to someone wide open underneath the basket. It's crazy. You don't see that. You, you don't see that every day. Um, anyway, enough about him. Uh, On to the rest of the team. Michael Porter Jr. He's back and he's looking good. He's uh, <laughs> averaging 49% from three on seven and a half attempts. That Ooh, is crazy. Yeah, yeah that's very... Very elite. That is crazy. He's consistent. He's um, a great option when you're in trouble. He hits difficult shots. Um, yeah, 
he's looking good. Numbers might not be fully back yet, but in terms of how he's fitting um, and percentage-wise, looking fantastic. Um, and Jamal Murray, same sort of thing. Stats are nowhere near back where um, where they were before his injury, but for 10 games into the season coming off an ACL tear, it's, it's pretty damn good. Um, and the thing that uh, strikes me the most about him is he looks quick. Like, he's making all these, um, like, lateral movements a lot mm-hmm. of the time that are uh, impacted from an ACL injury. He looks better than ever, um, moving side to side, dribbling, um, evading defenders and everything. Um, and also he had a nasty dunk the other day. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, that was out of nowhere. Yeah, crazy, eh? So he's still, he's still got the bounce, which we love. Um, and yeah, just overall as a team, best three-point shooting team in the league, highest field goal percentage in the league. Things are going well so far. Um, high hopes, definitely. Yeah, I can see why you've got got high hopes for this team. They are looking promising. Yeah, I I, I can't wait till the playoffs. I want to want to see what damage they can do with a healthy squad. Mm, yeah, that'll be interesting for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, next on my list, I've sort of cheated a little bit rather than having one, one team. I've got sort of three middling teams in the East. I don't think we're going to go into quite as much detail with all three of them, but the Bulls, the Knicks, and the Pacers. Now, these teams are sort of doing fairly average. They're in the, you know, the middle of the East, but the the upper middle, should I say, like we're talking that six to eight range. So, you know, in the playoffs slash play-in, could drop, could go better, could go worse. Um, All three of these teams, surprisingly, are like dead set in the middle of the ratings like they really are just in the middle and i'm not really too sure what to make of it at this stage um the bulls have been facing a bit of injury um trouble with zach levine demar derozan has been looking good not quite on the same level as last year 24 points for four rebounds four assists same 50 percent field goal percentage um but down from the 28 he was putting up Last year, we're not going to be seeing Demar in any MVP chats. Um, the question I wanted to ask you about the Bulls, Jack, is where do you think their defensive rating is at the moment? Um, before I answer that, just one quick comment: Are the Bulls, Knicks, and Pacers between six and ten every single year? Yeah, they just. When was the last time those teams finished above or below those places in the standings? You don't yes. need to look that up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's wild. Like they're just they're not good enough to be contending, and they're not bad enough to be tanking for a lottery pick. They're just in the middle. They're stuck in the middle every year. Yeah. And I mean, last year the Bulls thought they were gonna um, do a bit better, um, especially with their hot start. But yeah, they ended up sort of on the back end of that play in playoff um, seeding as sort of expected. But we, I mean, the Bulls. Okay. We've got DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, you know, Nikola Vucevic, Billy Donovan's the coach. That's a pretty offensively heavy starting five. If I had to guess, 
knowing the personnel, just not suspecting you to pull a fast one on me. I would say they'd probably have one of the worst defenses in the league, but I'm guessing that is not the case. No, of course it's not the case. (laughs) They've got the fifth best defensive rating in the league. Damn. I mean, tell me that Alex Caruso isn't the best perimeter defender in the league without telling me that Alex Caruso is the best perimeter defender in the league, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not quite. Not quite. Nah, it's just just interesting. It just piqued my interest. And I suppose that's what we're, we're talking about here. The Knicks, 16th best offensive rating, 18th best defensive rating, 16th best net rating. Talk about average. Um, <laughs> I mean, they've got three guys averaging 19 points. Brunson at 19.7 assists. RJ Barrett at 19.6 rebounds. Julius Randle at 19 points as well. Um I don't know how many play, how many teams have three guys averaging 19, but, I mean, theoretically, that's a recipe for a, a good team. But, as I just said, they're average. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just a pretty uninspiring roster, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, look, you've still, you've still got the front office clinging to the hope that Mitchell Robinson will either stay healthy or stay out of foul trouble. He's not demonstrated that he can do either of those things throughout his career. You've got Randall, who had about six good months of his career mm-hmm. in total. Yep. He's f- come crashing back down to earth after that that one year. And then you've got RJ Barrett, who for some reason is talked about as a really like high-end young talent when he is just inefficient and doesn't really do much in terms of winning. Uh, I don't know. Brunson, love Brunson. Um, Mm -hmm. Hardenstein's good. But, I mean, really, there's there's not much there that makes me think they're going to be anything better than this. Not even this year, like going forward. Yeah, it's just average. It it really is just sadly average average whereas Mm. the paces they probably shouldn't be here based on their roster now i know you love tyrese halliburton so i'm going to get to him last okay okay, but i will get to him so i can see you salivating at the mouth there but the paces the 26th best defensive rating the eighth best offensive rating so the 18th best net rating so there we're talking about a team that's really really good on one side of the ball but not so great on the other Caveat to that, Miles Turner has missed a couple games, their interior um, rim protector, who is averaging 14 points, seven rebounds, a three, and three and a half blocks. Their rookie, Benedict Mathurin, he's been incredible. Um, Definitely not like a 1B to Paolo Bancaro at the moment, definitely two, he's definitely a level below Paolo, but I mean, he's averaging just under 21 points, Four rebounds, two assists, almost three threes. Incredible, because he's doing it in like 27 minutes off the bench, which is just insane. That That's so crazy. You Like, I know it's just happening right in front of us, but you don't see nah, rookies yeah. coming in and averaging 20 very often. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Buddy Heald, he's been pretty good for them this year. 18 and a half points, 
5.8 rebounds, 3.7 assists, four threes a game on a high, high efficiency. He is a sniper. But the leader to this offense, your man, Tyrese Halliburton, over 22 points a game, five rebounds, nine and a half assists, 1.7 steals, 2.8 threes. He's mm. everywhere. He is so good. He is like the thing that gets me about him is he has a really, really weird form. Mm-hmm. It's 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 bizarre. Like it does not look like he's shot a basketball much, but damn, it goes in. And my goodness, he knows how to run an offense. Mm-hmm. He is is so unsuspecting almost. Like he's quite a skinny, like quite a skinny guy. Like sort of twiggy legs like not a giant like it it's almost i don't know it, it just looks a bit strange combined with the shot form that he's the one like running this team and killing killing teams he i mean today when he i mean they beat the beat the pelicans and tyrese halliburton looked like a superstar mm-hmm. out there just like he has these he has these moments where he he heats up and in the space of a couple of minutes will get three real nice dimes, smack a couple of threes and then get an and one, you know? And he he can just, I don't know, he's he's the guy. He's him. He is him, much like our boy Shea Gilgis Alexander, who is going to be an all-star this year, pursuant to the Boxed Out podcast campaign, for him to be an yep. all-star. Another That's great game happen. today. You heard it here first. Yeah, so that wraps us up for NBA chat. Um, Jack just wanted to give a quick shout out before we move over to UFC. So I'll pass that on to you. Yeah, so um, I want to give a shout out to my good mate, Oscar McCallion. Um, Harry and I both went to high school with him um, and he's he's doing something pretty huge uh, this weekend. He's, he's running 57 Ks this weekend to raise money for charity um he's completing this run uh in tribute to his mother who sadly passed away after a long battle with bipolar disorder um and he's raising money he's currently got 14k up on the board um and i think we'll uh we'll link his his give a little page uh in the episode bio of this podcast and we'll uh, pop it on our Instagram as well. If anyone feels inclined to donate to a fantastic cause. Um, yeah. I just wanted to say go well, Oscar, we're backing you and, uh, yeah, such an awesome thing to say. Yeah. I mean, it's powerful, isn't it? I've seen, um, some of the videos he's made sort of talking about his journey and why he's doing this and, the struggles his mother went through and it's just so cool to see. I can't think of a better guy to be running 57 Ks as well. He's such a good runner, such a talented athlete. Yeah, um, he is an athlete. I mean, he's just going to absolutely knock this run out of the park. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've yep. fo- been following his training and he's fucking quick. And so, yep. yeah. Yeah. Ba- no doubts on him. That's such an awesome thing. Go, go well, mate. Yes. All right. So, yeah, so that's going to wrap up the end of this NBA 
segment of this episode. Um, if you want to stop listening now, thank you for making it this far. If you wanted to tune into a bit of UFC chat, we're going to get into that now. Um, big fight for big moment next this coming up coming weekend in the UFC for New Zealand. Yeah. Jack is the resident UFC expert on this podcast. So do you want to talk us through that, Jack? Yeah. So um, this Sunday, New Zealand time, we have uh, UFC 281 coming up uh, in the G, Madison Square Garden in New York. Ooh. It is, it's, it's the mecca. It's, uh, it's the place to be. It'd um, be good to see something good happen in the garden, given, <laughs> the, given how average the Knicks are. <laughs> Yeah, hope, hopefully something a bit uh, above average uh, going on in that stadium this Sunday. So this card uh, is pretty stacked. So we have um, a women's strawweight title fight between Carla Esparza and Zhang Weili. Should be a banger. Expect fireworks in that one, if you know anything about Zhang Weili. And then we have an absolute banger of a fight between two lightweight top five mainstays, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, that has fight of the night potential written all over it. It is going to be crazy, crazy stuff. Expect someone to be lying face down at the end of that one. And then what I'm most excited about is there are four Kiwis fighting on this card. And you do tend to see this happen in the UFC as all the Kiwi guys will go over um, at once and they'll all compete uh, they'll all be in the same training camp be on the same fight card so we've got a uh, carlos olberg the black jag uh relatively new to the ufc um is probably better known for his looks than his fighting ability <laughs> but uh yeah he's he's a guy to watch up and coming um should be a good fight from him i have no idea who he's fighting but uh i'll be tuning in just to see that sweet sexy man Next, we have uh, Brad Riddell, who is, besides Izzy, probably my favorite Kiwi fighter in the UFC. He's um, always, always ready to throw down, always scrapping, always a fun fight with him. I would definitely tune in to watch Brad Riddell if you can. Um, he's, I think he's actually on a two-fight uh, losing streak at the moment, but... That was because he got thrust right up the rankings, up to the top of lightweight, um, right around that top 15 sort of area. So tough competition recently, but slightly back down the rankings now, um, fighting Moicano, who had a scrap of a fight against uh, RDA a couple of months ago. Um, but yeah, that should be a great fight. Then we have Dan Hooker. Um, yeah, it's Dan Hooker. He's a bit washed up these days. Um, his his trip to the weight class below did not turn out well for him, um, but he's back up back up to lightweight now, his natural weight class. Um, so we'll see how he goes. I could not tell you who he's fighting. He's um, a little bit past it these days. Um, but yeah, always, always a fun fight with him. Um, and then finally... We have the champ, the style bender, the reigning, defending, middleweight champion of the world, Israel Adesanya. And this is going to be a big one. 
I am more excited for this fight of Izzy's than I have been in a while. So for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Izzy is 23-1 and in MMA. His one loss coming when he tried to become the double champ by going the weight class above. So he's back down now. Um, and he has cleared out the division, essentially. He's beaten everyone there is to beat, except for one man. This man is the only guy who has KO'd Izzy before, and this was in kickboxing years ago. Different sport, but he is the only one to knock Izzy out in a professional fight. Alex Pereira. He is a scary man. My goodness. The left hand on this bloke. Jeez. Yeah, it's... um. There's a bit of storyline going into this fight. Um, so they've fought twice. Pereira has won both of them. This is back in kickboxing, by the way. So different sport. But Pereira's won twice. One of them was a KO. And that storyline has thrust him all the way up to this title fight pretty much immediately. I think he's only had maybe four fights in the UFC. He's only had seven fights in MMA in a, as a whole um but he's he had an impressive knockout in his debut had another great win after that i think he's had one more in between that and then he fought a top five guy knocked him out and the ufc is just promoting this guy so much just because they know that this narrative of izzy the champ one of the most popular guys in the ufc versus the only guy that's knocked him out is going to sell and it's going to be good. I think it is going to be an incredibly fun fight. Um, yeah, I, I'm very excited, but also very nervous. The most nervous I've been for an Izzy fight in a while. Um, but yeah, I think Izzy's sort of been a bit criticized recently because of his, um, hmm, his lack of stopping power in the ring. I think this changes this weekend. Um, but yeah, I feel like the public is pretty down on Izzy at the moment. Um, what what do you think about this fight? And what do you think about Izzy in general? Well, I've watched a few Izzy fights over the past few years. What sticks out to my like very novice UFC mind is the his length and how he seems to be able to take a fight from such a distance and you know he will just destroy the the front leg of his opponent with those quick kicks and like it's I, I mean it's not boring to watch it's technical it's technical and it's clinical and I suppose like the more casual fan isn't really going to pick up on exactly what he's doing you're not seeing blood noses broken eyes whatever um and so I think that's where some of that hate has come from mm. um but I yeah. love Izzy. I love what he means for New Zealand. I oh, love yeah. what he means for the UFC. And I, I think it's pretty sad that, you know, more pe more Kiwis aren't getting behind not just Izzy, but all the Kiwi fighters. I mean, to, to have four Kiwis on one fight card is huge. It's, it's insane to me that we have someone who's proudly a Kiwi for the most part 
but is proudly repping our flag in one of the most popular sports in the world and he just gets not that much love here for 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 who he is he's literally the champion of a division in the ufc that is as as good as it gets pretty much in an athlete in in your respective sport it's um yeah it's pretty disappointing but look i feel like a lot of a lot of people our age do really love him yeah. and really get behind him um i suppose maybe I just, with the older generations it's the fact that you the ufc is violent and you know it's not rugby but i suppose the like rugby's still a physical sport as well but like rugby's bloody violent yeah it's just like people don't understand how big the ufc is i did so like not that it means everything not that instagram means everything but the ufc's got almost 35 million followers on instagram izzy's almost got 7 million followers on instagram the all blacks just by way of contrast have 2 million followers and, you know, our most popular players, Dan Carter, 1 million followers, Richie McCaw, 177,000, Bowden Barrett, 675,000. Like, we're so contained in our little New Zealand bubble with some of the sports that we promote. Yet, when it comes to the Olympics, the Commonwealth Games, Kiwis on the big, sca- big stage, we like to get behind them. But why isn't that the case with Izzy? It's, yeah, I don't know why. I, I wish I wish I knew why because it's it's so disappointing and I wish there could be something done to change it, but um, like from what, just anecdotally, it feels like definitely older generation, traditional media. There's there's no presence there. There's no love there. Hmm. Tall poppy syndrome as well. He's rightfully a pretty confident dude and this notion of having to be humble in new zealand like yes i get it it's good to be humble but also why you're the best in the world you're the best in the world no one can beat you do you think he got to where he is today by being a humble guy playing off all his confidence like you know letting people walk over him hell no Hell no. You, you don't get to be a professional athlete without thinking you're the best in the world. And look, if, if the people who, who write the stories and write the headlines are not, not a fan of them, I mean, it, it sucks. Um, but like, I yeah, just, I don't know. The, the respect isn't there. The, the, the backing isn't there how it should be. You know, like this guy should be on the 6 p.m. news every month yeah. or so. He should be a mainstay of of New Zealand sports in general. Um, yeah. I mean, and they, they tried to do that a few years ago when he got, was it the Halberg Awards? The, mm. the um, best male athlete. And his speech was awesome. It was so yeah. good. But they silenced it. It wasn't anywhere. Was it because of the language or the tone he used? But like, he's giving out powerful messages and the media is just shutting it down. And I mean, I was doing some research into, I mean, the, the COVID situation that happened with city kickboxing a couple years ago. And so like for those that don't know, um, in August last year, during the lockdown, a bunch of the Kiwi fighters were wanting to put together a training camp 
and they we were in lockdown and so they thought hey how about we live in the gym so we've got our own bubble we're going to sleep here and we're going to train and in the past the government had said yeah that's okay like that's allowed but what i learned today was that they actually changed the rules and said no it was okay before but it's not okay now and like i completely disagree with giving athletes you know uh a different standard to live by but they've changed the rules on them and they like they were living you can live where you want if they want to live in a gym and they're not breaking the rules in any other way i don't quite see how it was different or that there was no alternative given to them like they well, could have I, offered a different way for it to happen i'm just thinking like you say you don't want athletes treated differently to the regular person which i totally agree with but like during that time, and I'm I'm literally just asking that asking you this because I can't remember. Like, did we have other sports teams training? Yeah. So did- what what was really interesting is like Izzy's whole gripe with New Zealand has come from Dan Hooker wanting to get a visa to go overseas to fight, and the government were like, nah, they wouldn't grant it. But at the same time that Dan Hooker was requesting a visa. Rugby teams were traveling to Australia and internationally to mm. compete in the, you know, little bubble competitions we had going. And so, like, I think there's, there's sort of two levels here. There's the athletes being treated differently to the rest of the population. But then there's the athletes being, the UFC athletes being treated differently to other athletes. Yeah. And it just doesn't make sense. I mean, Izzy's come out and said he's never going to fight in New Zealand. We should be having a Kiwi card. You know, like this, this event should be in New Zealand, bringing in, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to the, to, the, to the economy. He's a worldwide superstar. We should be pouring money, not only into the, this specific group of Kiwi guys and Izzy, but into the sport in general, because New Zealand has such a rich combat sports history and I get it's violent and you can get hurt from it and everything, but like... That can happen in any sport. Um, there should be more backing for it. And just on the um, on the lockdown stuff and how the Kiwi blokes weren't allowed to train, uh, I was listening today to Eugene Behrman, who is the uh, head coach of City Kickboxing, which is all the Kiwi, Kiwi UFC fighters' gym that they all train at. Um, and he was in an interview sort of just talking about, you know, this this upcoming um ufc event and the interviewer asked him um is that lockdown thing still going on in new zealand and they got onto that whole topic and what eugene said was he was like our career paths were probably you know 50 percent slower than what they could have been um we're probably like half halfway to where we should be if we were allowed to train um, during that time period. Because if you think about it, that was when Dan Hooker fought um, Islam Makhachev. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't couldn't get a proper training camp. Literally went, had guys in his corner that had never cornered a fight before, wasn't with his team, had to go on his own, had all that visa stuff. And, um, you know, just it wasn't a normal camp. And then he lost in the first round. Yeah, it's it's just interesting and it's it's sad from 
a, the perspective of just a Kiwi wanting to support other Kiwis doing awesome things. Yeah, I mean, who who doesn't love seeing Kiwis like rocket on the world stage? It, it's it's the best feeling to be able to back a guy from New Zealand. It, it's it's <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah, I wish more people got behind Izzy because he's a talent and he's sitting right under a lot of people's noses as mm-hmm. one of the best best athletes in the world in his respective sport. Yeah, I mean, I hope hope he makes a statement on the weekend and I'm sure um, we'll touch on that in one of the upcoming episodes once we've seen the fight. Um, I think that just about wraps us up for episode five, unless you had anything further there, Jack. No, just wishing Izzy all the best. Go well, mate. We're keen to see it. Get this, uh, get revenge. Get revenge on this guy. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, thank you to everybody for listening. Like I said at the um, top of this episode, if you could please like our podcast feeds, give us a five-star rating, follow our Instagram at boxedoutpod, flick us any questions or any feedback or anything like that, and we'll be sure to reply or you know maybe bring it up in one of the future episodes um but yeah thanks for listening awesome thank you everyone see ya